You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is made possible by Fidelity Investments. Together, we're encouraging you to always be in the front seat when it comes to your money. Discover how at fidelity.com slash front seat. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody. Happy Independence Day. Happy 4th of July. Woohoo. I hope that you're somewhere fun where you are enjoying some downtime and maybe some fireworks and some cocktails and some barbecue and whatever it is that makes 4th of July a fun and exciting day for you and for your family and for your friends. Kelly and I decided that we would dedicate today to providing some financial independence for all of you. Kelly is laughing. So we reached into our mailbag because we got a lot of questions. And although we try every single week to get to them, we don't get to them all in, we just don't get we to, just enough don't get to at them once. all, right? Yes. We, yeah. Yes. So Kelly Haltgren, our producer and mailbag <laughs> aficionado, is with me in the studio, and we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna go through as many of them as we can. Yeah. You're looking very tan and rested. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Finally, I have some life and some color in my skin thanks to summer. Kelly loves the beach. Love the beach. Love the beach. If you're listening, that's where I am right now. I am trying really hard to wear a hat on the beach this year. You know what? Me too. But it it doesn't, it's not so much a skin thing, although it should be a skin thing. (laughs) It's a hair thing. Oh, what's happening with your hair? So I am now at the point where I have to cover my grays because, no, I, I, look, I escaped (laughs) unscathed. For such a long time. Like, I really, I I have friends who had to start covering their grays in their 30s. I did not yeah. have to until, like, a year or two ago. So what? I'm really, really lucky. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. I'm plucking grays. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I have nothing to complain about. But it is yet another procedure that I've had to add to my life. And when you go out in the sun, it just, it bleaches out red. Oh, that's interesting. It gets really brassy really fast. And oh. so I aim to be a little more frugal about my hair color mm-hmm. and wearing a hat when I run and when I run and when I am just sitting in the sun because I do like to sit in the sun. I love sitting in the sun. I'm one of those people who can just sit and bake for hours. I think it's so relaxing reading, listening to music. Yeah. I I can just lay there. But some people can't. With sunblock. With sunblock. I'm better about using sunblock. And, and an umbrella. And sometimes an umbrella and trying to incorporate a hat too. Hat is good. For the skin. Hat is and because I like the look of hats. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Maybe this is why we don't get to people's questions because we go back and forth on this. <laughs> on hats. <laughs> on hats. All right, let's go. Okay. Our first question is from Sadie, who opens with a nice note. First, I want to say thank you. This podcast has completely changed my financial life. I've attempted to buy almost within financial and personal interest reasons. Every book that you have referenced on this podcast and adding those to Listening Weekly has truly helped me. Oh, Sadie, thank you so much. That's really nice to hear. Now to my question. My 
company offers a tuition reimbursement program, and I'm seriously considering going back to get my MBA. I currently have a bachelor's in healthcare administration. The only thing holding me back is that they will only pay after each course is over and you submit your grades. I have some debt, credit cards, student loans, car, medical. Everything together is less than $20,000, but I do not have the money saved back to pay up for this upfront. I refuse to take this out of my small but growing emergency fund. Is it worth it to go back now and put the upfront cost on a credit card, knowing I will accumulate interest? My APR on the card is 12%. I'm worried if I wait too long, life will happen, marriage, kids, etc., and I may lose my chance. What are your thoughts? FYI, in case it matters, I'm 27. Sadie, that's my age. So, Sadie, I think this is great that you want to go back to school. I think you are in a field where you will have absolutely no trouble getting a job. And I actually think that the fact that they will only pay after the course is over and you get your grades is going to help you stay on course. It's going to give you um, the fortitude to stick with it and stay home and study when what you really want to do is go out for the evening. I would see if you could swap that card with an APR of 12% for a 0% interest rate credit card. There are a lot of them out there these days. And if you can do that with the teaser rate, then you're not going to have to pay interest at all. You can put it on your credit card. It'll accrue at 0%. And then you can pay it off. And you won't have to deal with the interest. If you can't get that kind of a credit card, Oh, I would take it out of your emergency fund rather than paying 12% on it and then just repay your emergency fund and know that if you have an emergency, you could put the emergency on your card. I wouldn't want to see you stomach the interest that you don't have to stomach. And as far as your other debts are concerned, I want to know the breakdown. I'm not so worried about student loans. I'm not so worried about your car. I am a little worried about the medical debt and the credit cards. And so I'd like to see you find some sort of a plan to get a handle on that and make sure that you're repaying in a pretty timely fashion to dig yourself out. And if you're looking for other ways in which to help you make your decision, I would calculate the ROI. So why are you going back? What is it for? How much will you start earning with this degree after graduation? And then you can start using that hypothetical new salary to yeah. kind of rationalize or map out how you would be able to pay back maybe all of these other debts moving forward. And I've gone back and forth on this. We've talked about it before, about whether or not I should go back to school. And I'm happy it hasn't happened yet. But I'm trying to not let the idea of marriage and kids and life events stress me to make the decision sooner than I'm ready to make it. Because nowadays, you hear people going back to school at every single age. My mom got her master's when I was in middle school in Indiana. I mean, she just decided she was going to go back. And she was, I don't even know, she's mid-30s mm -hmm. at that point with three kids, and it served her really well. She went on to teach statistics on the college level. Wow. I know. Very cool. Thanks. All right. So good luck, Sadie. Let us know what happens. Yes. And now one from someone who would like to remain anonymous. I am 40 years old, married for two years, and my husband and I are slowly combining our finances, working in stages. We have a young child. I tend to be more conservative and enjoy saving and feeling financially secure. My husband is just learning to be responsible with money after some financial setbacks and mistakes. He is now debt-free and saving for retirement. Cool. I know. The last piece is that he needs to rebuild his credit history. Our house and car were purchased in my name. I have an excellent credit score, hold credit cards in my name that I pay off each month, and he doesn't have any credit cards. 
does it make sense for me to add his name to one of my two credit card accounts, open a new credit card with him, have him open a credit card of his own, apply for a loan together to make big purchase, such as a second car, something we have been considering anyways, as we both have long work commutes in separate directions in rural areas, or encourage him to take some other action to build his credit history? What would you recommend? So baby steps here. I would recommend adding him as an authorized user to one of your cards first. Make sure it's a card that will report on his behalf to the credit bureaus. You just have to call them and ask and make sure. I know American Express does this, but I'm not sure about every individual bank. So, And then do that for six months and track his score, see how it moves. At that point, once his score is in a decent range, have him get a card of his own, put one automatic bill on it every month, something that you know you're going to incur every month but that can be paid automatically so that there's no chance he's going to be late. Maybe you've got a health club that could be paid like that. Maybe there's a cell phone bill or a cable bill or something else. I would not apply for a loan together to make a big purchase because there is a chance that his score will result in a higher interest rate than you would have to pay on your own. So I would do those two things, and it's going to move fairly quickly. I mean, not overnight, but within 12 months, you should see a pretty decent difference as long as he's paying all of his bills on time. Great. Good luck. Keep us posted. Now one from Mary. My longest open credit card is a paid Alaska Airlines card that has a $75 annual fee. It's through Bank of America. I no longer use many of the perks, and I'd like to downgrade it to the basic version of the AK Air card through Bank of America that has no annual fees. Would this be a bad idea for any reason? Wondering if it impacts my credit. Um, it should be fine, actually, but call them and explain to them exactly what you explained to me and see if you can just make changes in this account. They may be willing to just waive the annual fee without doing anything else for at least a year. Some credit cards will do that rather than losing you. But ask them if this is possible. And I wouldn't worry so much about this part of your credit score even if you have to switch cards, if you've got a really good credit score. And that's because when we look at credit scores, there are a number of different components in the soup. The ones that matter most are whether you pay your bills on time and your credit utilization, which is the percentage of credit that you have available to you that you're actually using. We like to keep that artificially low between about 10% and 30%. The smaller pieces are, are you out in the market looking for credit on a regular basis? If you shop around and you are constantly getting new credit cards, it's a sign to lenders that you need money, and that's not good. The other thing that they like to keep an eye on is the length of your relationships with your creditors, which you know, as you reflected in your question, because you said this is the longest card I've had. That That's important, but it's a smaller factor. It's only about 10, 15% of your score. And finally, they like to see that you have a mix of credit. So if you're good on all the other things, I really wouldn't sweat this too much, particularly if you're not applying for a car loan or a mortgage anytime in the next six months couple things. Mm -hmm. I need to call to see if I can get my annual fee waived. removed or waived. It's so high. I have a Chase Sapphire, uh -huh. but not the one that everyone jumped not on. Not the $450 one. Oh, could. gosh, no. It's lower than that. But I never. I wanted that deal because of those crazy miles that they were offering. Well, and those crazy miles were worth it, right? right. If you get a 50 
thousand mileage bonus for mm-hmm. signing up for a credit card, and they're out there these days, and not just for four hundred and fifty dollar cards. Um, that's worth five hundred dollars. But do you have to you pay that annual year after year? You do pay, and you don't get the bonus year after year. Right. So what happened was a lot of people closed their cards oh. after. But there are other benefits in these cards, mm-hmm. right? So I actually have the four hundred fifty dollar Chase card. But among the things that it comes with are a three hundred dollar travel credit every year, which they just look at your spending. And if you've got an Uber, they take it off, right? I mean, it counts for all sorts of travel things. So that takes the cost down to $150 a year. And then airport lounges, there may be, I can't remember if this is the Chase card or the Amex card, but you get some, I think it's Amex. Some of them give you free go-go Wi-Fi sessions. Oh, yeah. You know, those can cost 30 bucks a yeah, piece. Yeah, they can. So look at all the different benefits before you make the switch and see what you're actually using. And if you're not using any of them, I agree, whatever the cost is, whether it's 95 or 195 just get rid of it. My second thing was I really like Credit Soup, and I think we should brand something with that. (laughs) Credit Soup. Credit Soup. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll think about that. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Before we proceed to the next question in the Credit Soup, I want to remind everyone (laughs) that Her Money and Mailbag episodes are brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Together, we want to inspire all women to be in the financial front seat, which means knowing what do you own, what do you owe, how to reach your goals, and having a financial checkup at least once a year. From understanding the basics of market volatility and risk to creating an investment plan, Fidelity can help. And you can learn more at fidelity.com slash front seat. Kelly and I are going through our mailbag, trying to get to some of the questions that have been rolling in. We love answering your questions. And it's a good time to point out that we're answering questions pretty much on a daily basis these days in our private Facebook group. Yes. Even more is that we have our members answering other members' questions too. And they're really smart. Yeah. Oh, all of them. So there, and then you can also always ask us your questions at jeanchatsky.com slash podcast. You'll see the mailbag box, as you always have, and you can find us there, too. We have another question from someone who would like to remain anonymous. Okay. She goes, I'm getting married next summer, and my fiancé and I will both be 39. I've never been married, and he is divorced. Neither of us have children. I'd love to hear a financial planning expert talk about marriages at different stages of life, plus things like prenups, estate planning, retirement planning, and more. So so that's a whole show. Yeah. But let me just talk for a second at 39 about a prenup because prenups are really important for people who are coming into a relationship with significant assets and or significant responsibilities. And although neither of you have children that you need to protect individually, if either of you have a significant portfolio or money that you've saved through the years or real estate that you've purchased or an inheritance that you're expecting or a small business that you've started, you need a prenup. You need a prenup that basically says, this is what I'm coming to the marriage with, and this is what happens if the marriage dissolves. And I know that is not romantic, looking down the road, but we know the statistics on divorce. They're not encouraging. And this is basically an insurance policy that offers you some guidelines for 
the dissolution of this business partnership, because a marriage is a business partnership as much as it is a romantic partnership, should it happen. I got married for the second time nine years ago. I got a prenup. My mother got married after my father passed away. She got a prenup. It's fine. It People get all emotional and, oh, my God, I can't ask for this because he's going to think. I think we're going to get divorced. It's no big deal. So just do it. We will do a show on this as well. Okay. And we'll do one more from Danielle. Hello, Jean and Kelly. I have been listening for a long time and love the show. I am a 30-year-old woman, and my husband is home taking care of our newborn, who is nearly four months old. Last year, I successfully asked for a 6% raise using another offer as leverage. Cool. The same year, there was a company-wide wage adjustment that excluded me because I was on the high-income end for my position. My boss assured me that a promotion was within the next year of my employment, so I didn't argue. I just returned back to work from maternity leave and saw that I did get my promotion, but with a less than 2% raise. As it is Sunday, I can see the increase but have not yet discussed it with my boss. I'm wondering if promotion increases are negotiable. I know me and a few others got the same increases this year, but others in the past had gotten around 8%. I'm not sure how or what to say to my employer about my disappointing promotion. Please help and thank you both. So all increases are negotiable, right? You got it. They put it through. They didn't talk to you about it, potentially because you weren't there. It's a tough time for you to go back asking for more money because you've just come off maternity leave. You may want to give notice that you want to talk about this, but put some time between your return to work and the conversation. I think it depends on your relationship with this boss and how you've sort of dealt with being out of the office. I am thinking as an employer, if I had somebody who was out of work and maternity leave is, you know, totally valid. It's I took two of them. It's not I'm not harping on maternity leave. But if I had had somebody who'd been out of the office for a few months for any reason who came back in and said, I want more money, I don't think I would react especially well to that. Mm. What I might react better to is Thank you so much for the promotion. I'm really excited to see that it went through as promised. When we talked about this originally, you had indicated that I could expect a significant salary bump. And I see that a salary bump of 2% went through, but I was anticipating more than that. Is this something that you're open to discussing with me? I'm trying to come up with exactly the right words, and I'm struggling a little bit. But what I'm feeling is that if the boss gives you a little bit of a pushback on the ask right now, what I would try to do is schedule a time three months from now to talk about it. What do you think, Kelly? You're you're having trouble, too. Well, the idea of it being the maternity leave that could have impacted the amount of her raise upsets me for her. I'm struggling with whether or not to suggest, you know, can she 
question that. Can she, she say, can... did my maternity leave affect my, did the timing of my maternity leave affect the rate of my raise? I don't know. It could be a tricky. It gets really legal. It we got to call, call your parents, the lawyers. <laughs> I would. I don't think I would go there. No, yeah. And it depends on your relationship with the boss. But it also reminds me recently the headlines of uh, Serena Williams coming back to yep. tennis after her maternity leave and how, uh, I don't remember verbatim what happened, but... They ranked her very, mm-hmm. very low, and then there was a big brouhaha, yes. and they bumped her up in the rankings. Yep. So it may be that as soon as you raise this topic, your boss is going to realize, oh, this was an oversight, and adjust. What about if she goes in being like, I realize I just got back from maternity leave, and putting that in there is just like a talking point and not so much like... Not so much blaming. Blaming or like implying her sentiments, if that is her sentiment, my sentiment might not be yours, Danielle's, but without implying that that is the reason, it's just a fact and you're slipping that fact into the script that you so eloquently told her to use. Yeah. And, you know, and had I been here, I would have come to you right away. Yes, that's good too. And said, I'm thrilled about the promotion. I love working here. Emphasizing how much you love your job cannot be overstated. You love it. This is a great company. This is a wonderful place. You're happy to be here. And you're looking forward to doing amazing work in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, But had I been here, I would have said, this is not exactly what we talked about. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. There you go. I think we have something. Let us know how it goes. Now I'm invested in this, Danielle. I know. Danielle, let us know. And the rest of you... Let us know what's going on in your lives with your money. We love hearing from you, and we like our mailbag shows, and we'll keep doing them. Have a wonderful 4th of July. If you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend that you think needs some financial independence of her own. Encourage her to subscribe. We want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record our podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Track Tribe, and our show comes to you through PRX. Join us next week. We'll be back with the authors of the new book, The Ambition Decisions. We'll talk soon.